Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. It may seem strange to be talking about a Christmas message, joy to the world, on the Sunday after Christmas. But I have discovered that joy is something that we can all use all the time. Not just at Christmas time, but something that we can use all the time. The Christmas story. It's a story of grace, a story of hope. It's the story of good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. So how about it? Are you living with great joy? As we embark into 2019, my prayer, my desire, my wish for you is that you would experience joy in a new level in your life. Not just joy that comes from the birth of a child or getting a new car or those things that kind of naturally create joy or happiness in our lives, but that you would live in the reality of joy all the time. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Well, it's the last Sunday of 2018. It's hard to believe another year has passed. How has your 2018 been? A trial or a triumph? Maybe somewhere in between? It's a safe bet that most of us have experienced a little of both this past year. And more than likely, we'll see our share of both in 2019. But whatever we face, we can experience joy through all of it. When I say all the time, that doesn't mean that there's not those days or those events or those circumstances or those trials that would bring us down. Listen, that's part of life and it's emotions. We live with those and we deal with them. We ask God to help walk us through those events that are traumatic and tragic. All of that stuff wears on us and works on us. But in the midst of all that, what I'm saying is that joy is something that can absolutely be a part of your life on a continual, regular basis. Today, Pastor Clay is taking us back to Luke chapter 2 and the Christmas story to finish looking at some important truths having to do with joy in our lives. Most people live their lives with very little joy. The ordinary grind of life brings people down. The shepherds were living ordinary lives until one night when something extraordinary happened and their lives were changed forever. Now, here's Pastor Clay. Here we are, as I said a moment ago, we are uh, knocking on a new year, on the door of a new year, and it's uh, happening. It's, 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 it's going to be, right? Uh, unless Jesus comes back before tomorrow, no, tomorrow's New Year's Eve, or whenever. Unless he comes back before then, it, it, 2019 is coming. It's going to be here. So... We ought, to, we ought to make the most of it, right? We ought to, make it the, we ought to think about what, what needs to be different in my life in 2019, what needs to change, or, or what would, would make it better in 2019 if it was this or that, or didn't have this or didn't have that. My wish for you is that you would experience joy in a new level in your life, not just joy that comes from the, the, uh, the birth of a child or, or getting a new car or those, those things that kind of naturally create joy or happiness in our lives, but that you would live in the reality of joy all the time. Understanding that when I say all the time, that doesn't mean that there's not those days or those events or those circumstances or those trials that would bring us down. Listen, that's part of life and it's emotions and we, and we live with those and, and, we, and we, we deal with them. We ask God to help walk us through those events that are that are traumatic and tragic and and sometimes just hard or all of that stuff wears on us and works on us but in the midst of all what i'm saying to you what i've been saying for as long as the lord has allowed me to stand up here and do this what i've been saying is that joy is something that 
can absolutely be a part of your life on a continual, regular basis. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them to Luke chapter 2. It is the Christmas story again. We're going to read some of it more uh, that we did not get to uh, last week. But Luke chapter 2, and we're looking at what, what we started at last week was looking at uh, just some ways that joy can come into our life in, in, in certain times that joy can come into our life. And then from that, we're looking at some lessons that, that come from those observations. So I'm making what should be a total of three observations and then some lessons that come off of that that you can walk out of here with and say, oh, okay, I can apply that. If you weren't here last week when we started into it, I'm just going to briefly mention what we talked about last week, but I encourage you, go back, watch that message on our website, listen to the podcast, uh, whatever the case, you can subscribe to that on iTunes. By the way, uh, speaking of subscribing, do you know that if you have a printed information sheet uh, uh, with you and on the back side are notes uh, for people that like to take notes, do you know that we have an electronic version of that? Ernie Breedlove prepares that every week so that for people that are more digital than they are manual can, can do that right on their phone. So um, you can just see Ernie after the service. If you have questions, there, raise your hand, Ernie. And he can, he can tell you how to get signed up, how to so that those notes come right to your phone and you can fill them out that way if you like to do that or they, they maybe they're filled even filled in for you. I'm not sure exactly how Ernie does that exactly. But I'd, I hadn't mentioned that in a while and you need to take advantage of that if, if you can. What's the, what's the resource called, Ernie? Uversion. You, it's on Uversion. On the front of the, it's on the front of the information sheet. You'll find it there as well. Okay? Luke chapter 2. Here's what we started with uh, last week. We started with this observation. Joy comes... When trials turn into triumph. Let me read to you verse 1 through 7 again, uh, because it's a story that should never uh, grow old for us. Luke chapter 2, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So we started with this observation last week that joy comes when trial turn into triumph. And we looked at that and we talked about that, that uh, Mary and Joseph seemed to experience a significant amount of trial in their life as they were walking through this thing, which then led to a couple of lessons that we talked about last week. And the first lesson uh, was this, being in God's will doesn't guarantee you'll stay out of trouble. It doesn't. And, And people need to understand that because... Sometimes people think, well, if I come to Jesus, then, then it's going to be smooth sailing from then on out. And, and it's not. And so when that happens and, and they're disillusioned by that, they're like, well, I don't, what's even the point in this Jesus thing? Need to understand that following Jesus, uh, being in his will, doesn't guarantee that, that you'll stay out of trouble because Mary and Joseph couldn't have been more in God's will. But they experienced trouble even as they were in God's will. We need to understand that. We talked about that. We talked about reasons for that. You can go back and listen to that. The second lesson was this. Joy in life doesn't have to be held hostage by circumstances in life. So much of 
what people perceive as joy and experiencing joy and or happiness in their life is tied to, anchored down by their circumstances. And if circumstances are good, well, then I'm good, I'm happy, I'm joyful. I'm, uh, but if circumstances are bad, then I can't. And what, what I'm saying to you and what we saw in the text there is that circumstances don't have to hold your joy hostage. Yeah, that's a good place to amen. I, 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 w- I would have just amened right away, right there, because it's a good place to realize that in your life, okay? So again, didn't catch that message, you can go back and watch it or listen to it. I encourage you to do just that. Even if you were here, you may want to go back in three weeks or three months or whatever. It's, it's going to be there and you can, can watch that. Okay, you ready? You ready to jump in? Uh, look at another observation, second observation today. Ready? Can't wait, can't, can't wait. Me either. I love this stuff, man. Love this stuff. Here's the second idea this morning. Joy comes when ordinary turns into extraordinary. Now, let me read it, verses 8 through 14. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. As you could probably guess, the life of a shepherd was probably not that exciting. Now, there, there was always stuff to do being a shepherd. You, you, you were never away from your job, especially in those days. You were never off of the clock if you were a shepherd. There was the, the health of the, the sheep that you had to be concerned about. They needed to be fed. They needed to be watered. There was the risk of uh, attack of the sheep from wild animals. Thieves would often come and, and attempt to steal the sheep if there, if there was not someone watching over them when they were out in the fields. And then, of course, sheep can just wander off all on their own and get in trouble. Y'all know what I'm saying? Let me say it again. Sheep. <laughs> Sheep can just wander off all on their own and get in trouble, right? Yeah, that, there's that tendency. We, we know how that can happen. And, and so, uh, like I said, I, I guess you could say there was always something to do, but I don't think that you would say that the life of a shepherd was very glamorous. They, they didn't have much of any kind of social life. They didn't take vacations. They didn't go out to dinner. They just, they just lived their life. They did that, that ordinary, mundane thing. And they did it day after day after day. And then one night, something extraordinary came into their lives. And they would never be the same as a result of it. Here's the lesson inside of that observation. Extraordinary came to everybody. Extraordinary came to everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Think about this with me. If this newborn king had been born in a palace, which is where most people would expect a king to be born, right? By the way, we, that, that's why the wise men, uh, coincidentally, went to Herod first. 
that's where you expect to find a new king. If this newborn king had been born in a palace where you would expect a, a king to be born, royalty would have had access to him. Nobility would have had access to this newborn king. The, the wealthy, the rich, the, the social elites, the somebodies of this world would have had access to this newborn king. But not the nobodies. Not the, not the plain, ordinary people just trying to live life, just trying to do their job. Shepherds certainly would not have access to a palace, but they would to a manger, to a barn. You see, the extraordinary came to everybody that day. It came to all of those who would desire to know who this God is and experience what he would desire for them to experience in their life. And it's important that you and I understand that it is for everybody, not just the, the, the somebodies of this world. One time when I was uh, in Kenya, Africa, we were doing uh, kind of hut-to-hut evangelism. Uh, walk, we'd go out every day and we'd go down these trails and we'd stop at huts that we came to and and share the, the gospel. And, and if, you, if you did that, at least in that particular experience, every time you, you did, the, whoever was there at the, at the cloth that you knocked on, most of them didn't really have doors, didn't really have doors, but they would call out and they would gather the whole family, the whole family would come in, they'd sit down in, there in the, inside that little hut and, uh, and, you'd, and you'd present the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Well, one of the huts that we stopped at there was a, a young man there that day who uh, didn't actually live in that village, didn't actually uh, live in it, but he was part of that family. He was a cousin. I want to say he was like a cousin or something. And he had come. It was like a two-hour walk or something. And he had come over just to visit the family that day. And so he was there when we shared the message of Jesus uh, with the family members. And that young man, uh, along with uh, almost all the other rest of the family members, said, yes, I, I want Christ as my Savior. I want to know this Jesus, and he accepted Christ as his Savior, and we had a wonderful time there, and we gave him some information, and the, the new church that we were in the process of trying to start there was going to do follow-up with all of these people and that sort of thing, and we left, and so we, we headed off back down the trail, and we were probably half a mile, I guess half a mile maybe, from the uh, hut where we had been, and all of a sudden we can, we can hear this young man yelling, yelling after us as he's running, he's running after us, and yelling as he's coming, waving, saying, you know, basically, stop hold up pretty sure that's what he said I didn't speak the language but I'm pretty sure it was like yeah and anyway he comes up and um and and he says to us in in really the sense of urgency he says he says you have to come with me you have to come with me back to my village you have to come with me back to 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 the rest of my family because they need to hear this news too it was like it was like for the first time, I don't know why it took him that long, but maybe at some point after we left, it dawned on him, this is, this is for everybody. Everybody needs this, and anybody can have this. This is for everybody. Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 12 says, For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord over, the same Lord over all is generous toward all who call upon him. In uh, Galatians chapter 3, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
Colossians chapter 3, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Now, here's what all of that means. It means that every life matters to God. Every life matters to God. Listen to this. Uh, Acts chapter 10. Listen to what the Apostle Peter uh, says. Acts chapter 10. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Listen, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you what a radical statement that was for that day and for that time. Uh, social uh, differences, cultural differences, racial differences, all fed into these very distinct classes of people. And those classes didn't, didn't intermix, they didn't intermingle, unless one, the lower one had to do something for the other. You understand what I'm saying? They, they didn't come together. And besides that, people tended to think of, of gods as, as regional. People tended to think of gods as being specific or personal to a particular nation or a particular uh, group of people. The Greeks had their gods. The Romans had their gods. The, the, the uh, Philistines, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, everybody had their gods. And everybody thought of them, well, this, this is our, this is, we're Egyptians. These are our gods. And Peter says here, he says, you know what? I, I used to think like that. I used to think like that. I used to think that Jehovah God was the God of Israel. I used to think that Jehovah God, Jehovah God was the God for the, for the people of Israel. But, but I was wrong. Jehovah God's not the God of Israel. God, Jehovah God is the God of the whole world. And anybody and everybody can come into a relationship with him, can know him. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are tired and heavy, have heavy loads. And I'll give you rest. John chapter 6. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. John chapter 12 verse 46. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Listen. Verse after verse after verse that we could share that point to this, this truth that, that, that God desires for everyone to have this relationship with him. That God desires for everyone to know who he is. And listen, here's what I'm saying to you. If every life matters to God, does every life matter to God? If every life matters to God, then if we are his children, if I am a child of God, then shouldn't every life matter to me? Shouldn't every life matter to me? Listen, I, I know I, I harp on this. I've harped on this a lot in 2018. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, we have to continue to build this burden within ourselves for those around us without a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to, as I keep saying, we have to hashtag ask the question, where will this person spend eternity? Every person we look at, we have to ask that question. I, I, I have, and I don't get it right all the time, but I have 
managed to somehow train myself enough at the gym that I can't seem to hardly uh, get anything else done at the gym anymore because every person I'm seeing, I'm thinking, God, where will that person spend eternity? In Jesus' name, I want to lift them up to you. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to interact with them that, uh, or whatever, but God, I pray you'd send workers into the field of their life. God, I, I pray that you would make me sensitive to an opportunity maybe share with that person. God, I pray that you'd use, circ- just, you understand what I'm saying? To, to create this burden so that, so that I care enough uh, that, that God would use me to impact the world. Every life matters to God. Here's, an, here's another obser- uh, idea from that. Every life has meaning through God. Not only does every life matter to God, every life has meaning through God. Your life has meaning through God. Uh, I, wanna, I want you to see a passage of Scripture, Psalm 139. Listen to this. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well now that's the psalmist declaring that to god so here's what i want you to do i want you to read that verse again with me out loud and i and i I ask you to do that from time to time but i want you to read it this time with with the intentionality of saying this is me saying this about me to god you understand what i'm saying to you psalm 139 say it with me out loud right now if you will i give thanks to you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Do you? Do you know how absolutely special and wonderful you are to God? Do you know how absolutely unique you are in this universe? Think about this. Out of the billions of people that live on this planet, Not a single one has the exact same genetic makeup as you do. Not a one. Any person, every person that has ever lived on this planet throughout the history of this planet, not a single one had the exact same fingerprint that you have. Or even the exact same eye makeup. Or ear shape. Or taste buds on your tongue. There's not a person on this planet that has the same gait or or stride or walk that you have. Your voice is unique to only you. All of it is unique, ladies and gentlemen. Do you understand how insanely special you were created? How special you are to God and how meaningful your life could be if, if, if you surrender every single bit of it to him and say, God, you give meaning to my life. You do with my life what you would have me to do you are so unique and special to god i want you to understand that listen we live in a culture and in a world where people are committing suicide over something someone said about them on facebook or some other digital social platform and there could be a lot of reasons for that but i can't help but believe that part of the reason is that people do not understand how absolutely special they are to God, how wonderful they are to God, how unique they are to God, and how, how much God desires to work in each person's heart and life in realizing the value that they have before God. Every life has this potential through God. I, I know that in the, in the midst of life, right, like the shepherds, we can feel pretty ordinary, pretty mundane, right? Life can get that way, right? Am I, am I exaggerating or, or do y'all all have yachts and live on the Riviera and drive Ferraris and, and go on? I, I'm just saying life can, be kind of, can get monotonous. Life can get mundane. Life can be 
ordinary at times, can it not? Sure, we, we, can, we can all experience it. It's, it's, it's what you'd call the grind of life. Y'all know what I'm saying? Wake up, get up, go to school, go to work, come home, fix dinner, wash the kids, walk the dog, watch a Seinfeld rerun, go to bed and get up and do it all again tomorrow. Right? It's, it's, it's the grind. It's the ordinariness of life that weighs on people sometimes. And I'm, I'm saying to you, that in the midst of your ordinariness, God has done something extraordinary. God has come and he has invited you to join him in a relationship with him that will bring the joy that you're actually looking for in life, that everybody's actually looking for in life. The completeness, the contentness that comes in a relationship with him. All right, let me, let me give you one more observation uh, before we close this morning. Looks like this. Joy comes when information turns to transformation, turns into transformation. Watch what happens to the shepherds. Verse 15, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, wow, that was pretty cool, huh? Wow, that was, that was we hadn't seen that lately. No, no, that's not what they said, is it? When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. I, I think it goes without saying that the shepherds' lives were never going to be the same after this night. Now, now, now in some ways, nothing changed. They're still going to have to go back and tend them sheep. They're still going to have to feed them, still going to have to water them, still going to have to protect them, still going to have to watch out for them. They're still going to have to raise their kids, pay their bills. So in, in one sense, nothing had changed. But in another sense, everything had changed. Because now, listen to me, now, these, these ordinary, plain, average, nobody pays much attention to us shepherds knew that they were special to God. That God specifically and particularly chose them to be the first people that he would share the good news of the birth of the Savior with and gave them the privilege and responsibilities of being the first ones to go and share that good news with others. And I, I, I'm just of the belief that for the rest of their lives, they retold that story of the night the shepherds were visited by the angels and what the angels said to them and what they ran into town and who they found and what they, what they saw. And I just can't help but believe that their lives, the information that they received brought transformation to their lives. Listen, let me ask you a question. Does the information about Jesus Christ bring transformation to your life? Does it bring transformation to your life as a result of this information that you have. You see, I'm just being perfectly transparent with you when I say this, that, that I spent a lot of my uh, earlier years with information about Jesus. I, I grew up going to church. My parents took me to church every time the doors were open. I, I, I knew who Jesus was. I, I knew what Jesus did. If you had asked me if I believed in Jesus, I'd have said, well, well sure, sure I did. But I'm telling you, that information never brought transformation in my life. It didn't change me. But when the information became 
real to me. When it, when, it, when it actually, when I came to this realization of what this actually meant for my life, it transformed me. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It transformed me. Now, it, it, my life wasn't perfect. My life's certainly still not perfect. But, but a transformed life is not about perfection. H- here's what it's about. It's about a, a transformed perspective. A transformed perspective to my life as a result of this information that I have now received. My perspective has changed. One of the things that has been a cause for the decline in our culture, and make no mistake, it is a decline. Yes, we, we have advanced technologically. Yes, we have, we have more conveniences and appliances and we have more more stuff than than somebody could have even imagined a hundred years even even 50 years ago than somebody could have even imagined right my car will start itself well not not my car but some of y'all have cars that will start themselves right you can kill zombies while sitting in your lazy boy in your pajamas You can turn your oven on while you're still at the grocery store. You can call somebody on your watch, Dick Tracy. Listen, I I know when. Listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking to turn in my smartphone. Okay, I'm not. I'm not saying that conveniences and and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not looking to to turn mine in or any of that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm I'm saying to you that. That more stuff, more conveniences, more simplicity, more uh, advancement, more that that is not, that cannot possibly be where joy can be found. Because if it could, surely we would have found it by now. And I'm telling you, people do not have joy in their lives. People are, are strung out and wrung out. People are overstressed, over-medicated, over-anxious. And, and surely, if it were a matter of, well... If we just, once I get this, because that's what the world says, right? Well, I, yeah, it's just, if you get, once you get that job, then you'll be. Once you get to that position, once you have that person, once you drive that car, then, then it'll be. And listen, it, it's a lie. It's a lie. Young people, listen to me, because you're the most susceptible to this. All of us are, but I'm telling you, it's a lie. It, you'll never find it there. You'll never find your contentment or your joy or your peace. And this is coming from a person that's tried it. And, and anybody else in here that would get honest could say, no, it's, it's really it's fun, it's toys, it's stuff, it's that, or whatever, yeah, I want the latest phone, this or that. But, that, but that's not what will do it eventually, ultimately in my life. Here's the reason why. The writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, uh, says this, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he says, he, meaning God, has planted eternity in the human heart. Would you read that one with me out loud, please? He has planted eternity in the human heart. Who has planted eternity? God has planted eternity in the human heart. You know what that means? That means that, that man instinctively knows that there's something beyond the grave. Now, people can deny it. People can reject it. People can say, no, I, I choose not to believe that. But it's still there. By the way, that's why every culture, civilization on the face of the earth that has ever existed believes in some type of afterlife. Because the writer of Ecclesiastes says God put it there. He put it in the heart of man. To know that there is an eternity. And, and joy comes as I begin to change my perspective about that. And I begin to understand that, it, 
that if I'm looking for it in this world and this, all this stuff, that I'm never going to get there. You understand? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. You've, you probably, many of you have read this passage many times. Philippians chapter 4, look what he says. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you have read that verse passage before? How many of you have quoted at least the last part of that? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? That's, that's everybody. I want to ask you a question. Y'all think the Apostle Paul is just BSing us there? Biblical spiritualizing. You think the Apostle Paul was just biblically spiritualizing right there? In other words, is, is he just trying to make me feel better? That sounds, boy, that sounds very spiritual. I, I think I feel better just reading that. Or do you think that he actually had discovered the secret to being content in every situation of his life? See, I, I believe that it means exactly what he said right there. So let me ask you another question. And then we're going we're to move towards close. Let me ask you another question. Do you think then that that type of contentment, which then leads to that kind of joy, you've got to discover that contentment if you're going to discover that joy. Do you believe that that kind of contentment is only for the, the spiritually super elite? Yeah. Or can anybody and everybody have that same? See, I, I believe that any person who would have a relationship with Jesus Christ can experience this and be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I've learned the secret. I've discovered it. Oh, I'm not perfect and my life does, it has its ups and downs, but I've learned the secret to being content. Let me tell you something, folks. When you get there, you know what you find? Joy. Joy. Okay, real quickly. A transformed perspective, and then the last one is just this, so you can fill in your blank so everybody can sleep tonight. A transformed priority. A transformed priority. I don't have much time with this, but it shouldn't take much time. If my perspective changes so that, so that my perspective is no longer about this life and how much I can accumulate or what I can get or whatever, if my perspective changes, then my priorities for life should change, shouldn't they? Doesn't that only make sense? Shouldn't my priorities in some way then change as a result of that? So that now the priority of my life is not, can I get the latest iPhone X? Nothing wrong with getting it. Get it. I'm an iPhone guy. Nothing wrong. I'm not saying anything. But, but if that is the priority of my life, then I'm missing it. Then I'm not going to find it there. Because, sorry, I hate to break this to y'all, but Apple's going to come out with another phone. Yeah, yeah. They're going to come out with another one after the X. The iPhone Y, that's coming. It's, you understand what I'm saying? It's never, it'll never do it. That's the thing. It's just, it's just never. So my, so my priority has to change so that, that my priority is on, is on this, this eternity that God has placed in my heart. That's, so I'm going to live this life for that priority. You understand? How, how, remind me, how, how, does, how does Jesus put it <laughs> in Mark chapter 8? How does he say it? And he summed, summoned the crowd to his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, must deny himself. It's hard. It's hard for me. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Why? For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. In other words, if you're looking for it here, if you're looking for it now, you're, you're never going to find it. That's essentially what he's saying. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Listen, 
You are unique to God. You matter to Him. He has created you with a special uh, intention and purpose in your life. Mary and Joseph were just ordinary people from an ordinary town. They weren't rich, they weren't famous, but they were chosen for an extraordinary task. The shepherds weren't, weren't anybody famous, anybody rich. They were just ordinary people trying to live out their lives, eke out a living, and, and just live their lives. And in the midst of all that, something extraordinary happened. In the midst of our lives, something extraordinary has happened. The gospel has come into our lives. And as a result of that, and what can transform our lives as a result of that, it, it, it really is possible for us to walk out of here today and say, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Thanks, Pastor, for reminding us today that no matter what happens or doesn't happen in our lives, joy is something we can live with every day. The information of the birth of the Savior changed the shepherds' lives forever. The same should be true for us. The good news should transform our perspective and our priority. And when it does, joy is waiting for us. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church. But instead of religion, we're about a relationship. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens. And the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.